Hello, welcome to episode 7 of What Some Will Call Lies and Reruns. I'm Mike Lawson. I used to have a weekly storytelling podcast, and now I'm sharing those stories with you here on the Afterthought Media feed. Hello, welcome, hello, hi. Is anybody out there? Um, On this episode, I'm sharing two stories with you. The first one is called Preconceived. And this is from uh, when I worked at Disneyland. I do mention that it is at Disneyland, but I do this weird thing where I kind of like dance around talking about what I'm doing directly. Um, Disney has this weird way of kind of pounding into your head that you're supposed to like preserve the magic. So Mickey Mouse is real. There's only one of him, you know, like that kind of stuff. And I feel like the longer it's been since I worked at Disneyland, the easier it's become to kind of talk about it. But this was back in 2012, and I still sort of talk in like weird Disney code. So sorry about it. Uh, here we go. Preconceived. I hope you enjoy it. Episode 28, Preconceived. We like to party. We like, we like to party. Hi, my name's Mike Lawson and I tell what some will call lies. Um, I really love telling stories. I love, I love, I love I telling, telling, telling stories. stories. What some would call lies. 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 Vomit. You lying son of a gun. Kinda creepy son of a bitch. Son of a, son of a, son of a, son of a bitch. He said. She said. I said. What the hell? Liar, liar, pants on fire. I love your dress. I'm not making this up. You are a goddamn liar. I'm back, bitches. (laughs) I love telling stories. This podcast is, in no particular order, a collection of stories from my life that I retell as accurately as I see fit. I was half asleep, unshowered, and really immature when I put a man in prison probably for a really long time. When I was 19 years old, my boss was a really famous mouse. I worked in the entertainment department at Disneyland, and in June of that year, I was selected as one of the few cast members in my department to work a week-long special event called Grad Night. If you aren't familiar, Grad Night was supposed to be a way of keeping kids out of trouble on their graduation night. The concept was to fill the evening with fun and frivolity so they wouldn't be out drinking, driving, and murdering one another. At 9pm, busloads of recently graduated 18-year-olds pulled up to the front gates and flooded into the park. My job was to dress a bit goofy, and I followed the double-decker bus as it went up and down Main Street. I danced and acted goofy, and I got to work with two of my favorite co-workers that were the size of chipmunks, Loretta and Kevin. And it was kind of fun for the first few hours each night. Unlike a normal day on the job, I wasn't getting swarmed by jam-hand children begging for autographs or yelled at by angry parents that saved money for a year to visit Mecca. Instead, it was just a bunch of kids, not much younger than me that wanted to have a good time. I had worked with Kevin a lot before, and we had an interesting relationship. I've, 
I've never said this out loud, by the way, but I always felt like Kevin was flirting with me when we were in costume. Backstage, we were just Mike and Kevin, and he barely said a word to me. But when we were on stage, he'd always pull me into his fun. He had his hands all over me. It sounds stupid now that I'm saying it, and that's probably why I never said it out loud before, but it's truly how I felt. Kevin was adorable, but he was a few years older than I was. A super social, club-hopping, out-of-my-league gay boy that probably barely knew I existed. And since I was a young guy that just came out of the closet, I was scared by how open he was with his sexuality. So I kind of kept my distance. Anyway, we, we had a really easy gig at grad night. Most of the people just ignored the party bus. That's what it was called. Most of the people ignored the party bus and walked around us in a rush to get to Space Mountain or to get to Alice in Wonderland to make out with a girl from a neighboring school that they would never see again after this night. The only hard part about this job was the music. The party bus blasted the same three songs over and over. And over. And over. Three songs for nine hours. It was a bit like Chinese water torture. The three songs were The Thong Song by Cisco, Say My Name by Destiny's Child, and We Like to Party by The Venga Boys. We like to party. We like, we like to party. We like to party. We like, we like to party. it I received my very first jury duty summons for the same week as grad night. My shift at the park was 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. overnight and on Wednesday of that week I rushed home and showered and then headed to the courthouse in Fullerton. I sat in the jury pool for a couple of hours where I noticed a very handsome guy sitting toward the front of the room. He was about the only person there that was my age and he was doing one of the sexiest things a guy could do, in my opinion. He was reading. So hot. <laughs> I'm a nerd, I know. But there's something really sexy about a man that reads. Not, not a man that knows how to read, or a man that enjoys reading before he goes to bed or something. What I'm talking about is the really alluring man that uses his free time in public to open a book and unabashedly go at it. I moved to the front of the room, closer to the sexy book reader, pretending to have an interest in the Price is Right episode playing on the 13-inch television that inadequately entertained the room of about 60 potential jurors. I sat close to the reading guy and looked over to see what he was reading. <sighs> Fuck. I knew those thin pages and stanza paragraphs from a mile away. He was reading the Bible. Now, I don't have anything against Bible readers. I just knew then, and I'm very aware now, 
that those that choose to read the Bible in their free time are, generally speaking, not that interested in people like me. Bust. I was picked to sit on a jury and so was Jesus boy. We were told to return the next day, Thursday at 9am. We were told that it would be a really quick trial. We were told that everything would be wrapped up by the weekend. I got in a really quick meal and a really quick nap before heading into the second to last grad night. We like to party. We like, we like to party. I got to work a little early and got my costume ready and walked over to the empty dressing room that I shared with Loretta and Kevin. Since I was early, I decided to utilize the empty break area to get some of the more intimate pieces of clothing on. Usually I would head to the bathroom to put on some of the required undergarments, but I thought I'd be alone for a while, so I started undressing right there. And of course, Kevin walked in. I was literally caught with my pants down. Give me one minute, I said, embarrassed. The cute guy that was totally out of my league just saw my junk. <laughs> I quickly finished dressing, and then I opened the door, probably blushing. You can come in now, I said. Sorry, Kevin. And here I thought I'd have to beg you to take your pants off, he said. We both laughed. I didn't think you guys would be here this early, I told him. Well, they're catering dinner for us in the Tomorrowland break room, he said. So I got here a bit early to grab a free bite. Want to come with me? Our conversation was a little strained. It was kind of like a car ride with my dad. This weather's great, isn't it? <laughs> wow. Uh, did you hear tomorrow is supposed to be even cooler than today? Hmm, really, really. When we got to the food, Kevin ditched me and started socializing. He knew everybody. I put together a plate for me and a plate for Loretta. And when Kevin saw me standing there with two plates, he said, Dang, fatty. <laughs> and then he winked at me. People don't wink anymore. They should. After our shift the next morning, a group of us went to a really fancy breakfast at a little breakfast bistro, totally boutique. You probably haven't heard of it, but it's called Denny's. I love moons over my hammy. <laughs> I sat between Loretta and Kevin, and he barely paid any attention to me, but every once in a while, Kevin would lean over and say a snarky comment about the other people in the group. He'd whisper jokes my way, and I got the feeling he was flirting with me. Yes, we were in different leagues. Yes, he barely acknowledged my existence at the table, but he was totally flirting. At around 8 o'clock, I announced to the group that I had to get going. I got somewhere to be at nine, I said, and Kevin made a joke about the straight-edge guy rushing off to the library, and then he winked again. Jury duty was awesome. 
It was like participating in an episode of Law and Order. The defendant walked in, handcuffed, tattooed, angry-faced. Before we were ever told the specific details of the crime, we were told about the character of the defendant. We were introduced to his neighbor that told us that the defendant had tried to break into her house once, and then we heard the story of when he broke into an auto mechanic shop and unexpectedly found the auto mechanic sleeping in his office. The auto mechanic chased the guy out of the shop and took down the defendant's license plate number. The police quickly traced the license plate and arrived at the defendant's house only to find the defendant sitting in his car where he quickly confessed to the crime. We were told that the legal definition of burglary is to break into private property with the intent of stealing something. Then we were read the defendant's confession, where he said he broke into private property with the intent of stealing something. This is easy, right? We were dismissed for lunch, and when we got back, we went to the jury room to deliberate. None of us thought the guy was innocent, but we still spent a little bit of time discussing whether or not it was possible that he was innocent. After less than 30 minutes, we went back into the courtroom, read our verdict, jury is dismissed, thank you for your time, and the jury left, never seeing the guy again. As I walked out of the courthouse into my car, I saw the Jesus boy walking to the bus stop. Hey, I said, where are you headed? Need a lift? He hesitated, and then he said that he was headed south, the opposite direction I was headed. And I said, hey, that's on my way. <laughs> Lies. He was very thankful, and in the car we just talked about our experience serving on a jury for the first time. Both of us kind of enjoyed it, and didn't understand why people were so put out by serving. When we finally got to his place, I let him out of the car, and he was really thankful for the ride, and I said something stupid like, see you around, and I left, never seeing the guy again. grad night was fun. Kevin made a few jokes about seeing me naked the night before. We went a little crazy on the party bus. We like to party. Loretta brought some homemade baked goods and she shared them with us in the dressing room. We took a bunch of photos together. She called us her boys and we wrapped up the grad nights for the year 2000. I worked for the mouse for almost a year after those grad nights, but rarely did I have as much fun as I did on the party bus. We like, we like to party. But eventually I turned in my big shoes and my overstuffed gloves and I moved on. I left. And I never saw Kevin again. I did, however, reconnect with Kevin via Facebook a couple of months ago. Kevin, I wrote after accepting his friend request. My God, it's been almost 10 years. I'm glad you found me. I used to have the biggest crush on you, but I always thought that you were out of my league. He responded, I had a crush on you too, but I always thought that you were too serious to go for someone like me. Huh. Too serious, too open, too Christian, too troubled, too ill-fated. I guess if you judge a book by its cover... No, ugh, that's cliche. How about if you judge a party bus on its short playlist... You could be missing out on a really fun event.
Up next is a story I wrote called The Real Answer, originally published on Monday, June 4th of 2012. And what's totally meta and weird about all of this is in the beginning, I'm like, usually I tell stories of the past. So now I'm going to tell stories of the present, which now is the past. So I'm introducing a story from the past where I was telling a story about the present, but now it's in the past. That's cool, right? (laughs) All right, here we go. The real answer. Enjoy it. The story I'm going to tell you today takes place at the end of May 2012, which is just a couple of weeks ago. This is by far the most recent story I've ever told on this podcast. I've been complimented in the past for being so open and sharing so much of myself on this show, but frankly, I don't deserve it. What I do, recording stories from my past, is not courageous in any way. I'm not sharing a messy apartment with piles of unread mail and unwashed laundry. What I share on this podcast are neatly packed boxes, arranged and labeled, packing tape, newspaper-wrapped valuables. Normally when I talk about emotions here, I'm summoning up or remembering how I felt at the time of a story, years, sometimes decades ago. But not today. Today I'm going to tell you a story that happened on a Thursday night just a couple of weeks ago. I stopped at a Circle K gas station to fill up my tank. Phoenix has a million Circle K convenience stores slash gas stations. We have more Circle Ks than racist sheriffs. On the six-mile drive to work, for example, I passed two Circle K gas stations. But on this particular Thursday, I was heading west, so I stopped at a location that I've never been to before. It's on 24th Street and McDowell. As my gas was pumping, I went inside to purchase a drink. There was only one man working the register, and as I was waiting for it to be my turn, a small line formed behind me. Now, I've never been officially diagnosed, but I have some issues with social anxiety. I don't struggle with public speaking or creating small talk with strangers, but I do get intensely anxious in social settings where I feel like people are waiting for me. I get very concerned that people are staring and judging me. Shouldering in and trying to order at a busy bar is the absolute worst. Not only do you have to compete for space and the intention of the bartender, but you also have to know what you want to order. What do you want? Normally, I just order a Bud Light, even though I don't particularly enjoy Bud Light, just because it's easy to order. Well, back at the Circle K, the line forming behind me was making me slightly anxious, I pulled cash out of my wallet and got ready to give money to the man once he rung me up. When it was finally my turn, I said, How you doing? to the clerk. He looked me in the eyes and he said, Do you want the answer I give everyone or do you want the real answer? I guess that's a good question. What was I looking for? Of course, I know what I expected. I expected him to say he was fine. Here's your change. Have a nice day. See you next time. Then I could go on with my life, probably never even thinking about the Circle K clerk again. Certainly not sharing this story with all of you where he's the main character. Do you want the answer I give everyone, or do you want the real answer? I could feel the line of people behind me staring at my neck, judging the time I've already taken out of their lives, 
just buy your fucking soda and get the fuck out of the way, they were thinking. And who the fuck wears a black v-neck t-shirt, black tennis shoes, and a brown belt? I know, but I was wearing different shoes and a different shirt earlier, and I changed. But I forgot to change my belt. Do you want the answer I give everyone, or do you want the real answer? The guy paused after he asked me this, looking me in the face. I want the real answer, I said. What's going on? Well, to be perfectly honest, he said, I've been contemplating the benefits of suicide. He handed me my change, and I didn't know what to do or say. My anxiety level was really high. I had no more business at the counter, so do I get out of the way and please the strangers behind me? Or do I answer the stranger in front of me's cry for help? It can't be that bad, man, I said as I pocketed my change and left the store. What a stupid thing to say. I basically told the guy that his problems, the things that were so dreadful that he was thinking of just ending everything, were insignificant. Who the hell am I? For the rest of that night and for a few days that followed, I thought about this clerk and his response quite a bit. I ran the story by all of my friends, asking them what they would have done. I thought about going back and trying to talk to the guy. I thought about maybe going in and trying to alert a manager. I thought about trying to convince myself that the clerk just had a really dark sense of humor and enjoyed seeing people squirm when he told them that he was contemplating ending it. But as of today... I've been able to do none of these things. Do you want the answer I give everyone, or do you want the real answer? We all lie when we're asked, how are you, don't we? I always answer the insipid how are you questions with an overly exaggerated, positive answer. I'm so good, I tell people all the time, or I'm not sure I could be any better. <laughs> Lies, both of them. But I guess that I've always thought that if you say that you're good, if you act like you have oil wells pumping in your living room, you're halfway there. But not everyone plays this game. I need to do a little work preparing myself for the next time I ask someone, how are you? Because you never know when they'll really tell you. Done. I just shared two stories with you. And believe it or not, if you join me on the next episode, I have two more to share with you. Uh, I have a story I want to share with you called the Bradbury story. This is a story I wrote uh, right. It's the same week that um, legendary sci-fi writer Ray Bradbury passed away. Um, and I wrote that story then. And another story I'm going to share is called Altitude Sickness, Supplemental Oxygen, and Eight-Year-Olds. And this is about one of my favorite kids at the Boys and Girls Club where I used to work. So I hope to see you on the next episode of What Some Will Call Lies in Reruns. Bye bye I like to eat pizza.